On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Bruce Buds, Jesse Jackson here. I had a great discussion, a wonderful Bruce fan named Molly. She just did a wonderful article about her and her fiancé. She is a huge Springsteen fan, and her fiancé, Jesse, is a big fish fan. No, not of catfish, but of the band fish. She wrote an article about it, the link to the article be in the show notes however um, the first part of the conversation ended up getting garbled and so um, but we had such a great time I hated not to share the rest of the information so here is the second half of the interview where we talk about her passion and going to see the river Um, but um, Go to the link and read the story because Molly and Jesse are so cute and so nice. I wanted to share their story. We pick up Molly and I talking and she was telling the story of her going to see the 2016 River Tour. Good sport. He is a much bigger Beyonce fan than he is a Bruce fan. He always says that Beyonce is his Bruce, but he was a very good sport and he wanted to come along too. So we went to go, we road tripped out to Pittsburgh, which is about four or five hours away from Philly. And we stayed in a hotel and it was really great. Um, and then actually I've seen, I've seen a lot of the river. Um, then in Miami, uh, I was there for on a business trip. I was there at a conference and, um, my girlfriend who I go to all of these brew shows with it's me and her husband, um, we happened to be in Miami and we were supposed to go to this big, you know, conference dinner. And we were, you know, as we're journalists. And so we were looking at the Miami Herald's website and we saw that Bruce happened to be playing in Miami that night. And we were talking to our boss and he kind of looks, he like leans in, he goes, don't tell anyone, get in a cab and and go down to go down to the stadium. (laughs) So we go down there and we got these like crazy high seats and we had ball it was so much fun and totally unexpected and then everyone at the concert the conference the next day was like where they were like oh my god how was it did you guys have the best time I can't believe you did that and um so then we went uh again in state college and that was Jesse's first show and okay. then we will be going again I guess this is kind of not exactly the river uh, yeah. tour but we'll be going again in September um, when he plays Citizens Bank Park, which is where the Phillies play. And that is the site of my favorite all-time brew show. Um, So actually, this is how I know I'm becoming an adult in that I have a wedding to pay for. We've just bought an, we just bought a house, and he's playing. Bruce is playing two shows, and I will only be going to one of them, which is the first time 
in Philadelphia. Oh, and I'm, excuse me, I also went to the Philadelphia show earlier right. where I had a very tragic story where we, so we line up to get into the lottery. We get all of our lottery numbers. This has never happened to me before. So we get our lottery numbers and um, my friend is 53, her husband is 54 and I'm number 55 with our lottery numbers and they call number 56. So we'd been standing out in February and we'd been standing outside in the snow for like three hours. <laughs> no, and I'm, I didn't want to bring my coat in. So I'm wearing a hoodie and it's yeah. freezing cold and, um, oh. you know, so, and I, I have never been more devastated in my entire life. Um, but yeah, so in, and then in September we will be, I'll be going to, uh, we'll be going to one of the Citizens Bank Park shows, but unfortunately because I am now an adult and have to pay for things, I will be will not be going to both of them, which is tragic. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, I I went to Pittsburgh as well. Um, my wife bought me for Christmas without me knowing um, a Louisville ticket. And she said, I'm sending you to Berman country to see Bruce by yourself. If that's not love, I don't know what is. That is definitely love. <laughs> and then um, when he did the second kind of the extended tour – we went to Oklahoma City, and then I saw him in Dallas. And um, so um, I had a, I had a, I have a friend, Allie, who's been on the uh, podcast a couple of times, and she lives in New York. And she says, "Okay, if if when he comes back from Europe, if you guys can get here, you can stay at my house." And so Linda said, "Look, you and Chris go." And just have it, you make it a guy's trip. So he and I are flying in um, for the August 25th show in, um, you know, the Met Life Arena or stadium, I guess. And, um, you know, I've never seen him on the East Coast, so I'm really pumped about it. Oh, you have an excellent. There's, we, now that I've seen him in Miami, no, Miami, the Miami show was great, and we didn't, we didn't know how, um, like, how, what it was going to be like, right? Because right. I'd never seen him outside of, other than Pittsburgh, I'd never seen him outside of kind right. of, you know, Bruce country. Um, I'd seen him in New York, I'd seen him in Jersey, and I've seen him in Philly so many times that it was, and it was a great experience. It was still, I mean, people are still so totally intense, but there was nothing like seeing him in, uh, in, in like total Bruce country. Yeah, we're very excited. Um, so I want to know, what kind of music did you listen to growing up in your family? What, what, tell me your family background. So, um, my dad was always very, my dad is not a huge music listener, but he does have, um, some things that he loves. So, and, uh, we, you know, like it, it's, it varies, but, um, he was never like the music guy. My mom was always, the music was always the one who was very into music and she, um, you know, she's a, she's a baby boomer. So she has a lot of the same baby boomer tendencies of like, um, the Beatles and the dead and, um, and, you know, things like, uh, you know, kind of music like that. She loves, you know, sure. Neil Young. And, um, so she had, she, and, but she always, she had this Bruce t-shirt that I remember her when we were growing up that she, that she wore all the time. And it was from, uh, an 84 tour, I think I want to okay. say, or maybe 82. Um, but so, yeah, she had that. And so she was always, she, I always knew she was a Bruce fan. She always joked. She was also a journalist and she was covering Live Aid when she was seven months pregnant with me. And of course, you know, Bruce was there. So <laughs> she always says that I became a Bruce fan in utero. 
because oh, I was, very she nice. was, she had to be covering it kind of as a, as a journalist. And, and I was, you know, I was in the womb. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was not a Bruce fan as a kid. I was not, we I kind of didn't grow up with Bruce in the family. Where did uh, you, she, she liked it. She, you know, it was always her thing, but yeah. never so much my thing. Where did you grow up in Millie? Um, I grew up in the Philadelphia suburbs. I grew okay. up about 20 minutes outside of Philly. Okay. And um, I was always a punk rock kid. I like found punk rock when I was like 12 years old and okay. was totally enamored with it. And um, so I was always, that's when I was, you know, kind of in my early teen years, I was like very much a punk rock kid, uh, okay. you know, lots of eyeliner and, and combat boots and things like that. Um, and then I found Bruce actually, I became, I became a Bruce fan when um, it's funny because now he's a, actually a coworker of mine. Um, we had to do this when I was in high school, we had to do a, um, we had to do a job shadowing where you got to like find someone who had a really cool job and shadow them around for the day. Okay. And so this guy, Dan DeLuca, who's the music critic of the Philadelphia Inquirer, I wrote to him and I said, I'd love to, um, I'd love to shadow you. Can I come around? And I, I promise I won't be too intrusive. And he's like, yeah, of course. He's like, I'm going to this concert. Do you want to come with me? So he picked me up and we were going to see the wallflowers at the TLA on South street, which is for Philadelphia people. They know where that is. Um, and I, you know, we were coming home and he, he also lived in kind of around my house. So he was driving me home and he was like, you didn't like that show at all. Did you? And I was like, not really. It's not really my thing. Um, but, and he was like, well, what do you like? And we started talking about music and, um, I, there, there was this one band that I still really love and they're called Slater Kinney. And he said, Oh, do you know that the guitarist of Slater Kinney, one of her favorite people is Bruce Springsteen. And I was like, Oh, I didn't know that. And he goes, how, and he's asking, he's like, okay, you're like 16. Right. And I was like, yes. And he goes, okay, you need to go home right now and get born to run. And Napster had just become a thing. So he goes, go and get born to run. Um, and he goes and listen to it with headphones on. He was like, you have to do this tonight. You have to go home and do this tonight. And so I went home and I maybe illegally downloaded Born to Run. Okay. I've since bought it on several different platforms. Sure, I've given enough money yes. to Bruce. And I remember it was very late at night and I put my headphones on and listened to Born to Run. And after that, I was done. I like, I, it was it. It was all I, and then I went to college and I kind of kept my Bruce, my Bruce fandom to myself. And then um, my college, my best friend and college roommate, one day she comes, she comes back from her summer break and she goes, do you know what I listened to all summer break? And I was like, what? And she goes, Bruce Springsteen. I was like, oh my God, we finally, I can talk about this. I can totally talk about this with you now. Um, and another really good friend of mine, this is, these are the same people I went to Pittsburgh. He was, his dad was a big Bruce fan. So this became kind of our thing, our like college kind of thing. And then when I moved, so that we were, you know, we would scrape every time Bruce was coming around, we would scrape up money to go see him at the garden. We mm-hmm. saw him a couple of times, like, you know, a couple of times around New York. And, and then, um, what year yeah. did you graduate high school, Molly? I graduated high school in 2004. Okay. And then, yeah. So then in 2000, right after college, I moved back to Philly and I found, um, cause Bruce to me has always been about community. That's one of the things that I love about Bruce. Like as yes. much as it's about music, it's about, right. Clearly your podcast is about fandom. So, right. Um, I always associate different kind of Bruce periods in my life with the different people I've gotten to sure. see shows with. And when I moved back to Philly, um, my, I call her my work wife now because we're, uh, we're so close. You know, we, we see yeah. each other more than we see our respective significant others. Sure. Um, we immediately bonded over Bruce. Like immediately this was, you know, me, her and her now husband, we thought this was the total basis of our friendship. And, um, 
so then, you know, that was kind of the rest of my Bruce journey was seeing it with seeing him with them. Because, you know, what's what's interesting is it it does seem like Bruce is reaching across the eight generations. Um, and I think that's really cool because um, most people, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's an old white guy and gal, you know, fan base. But it's amazing when you see the pit and you see all the different people in the stands or, you know, in the up there in the even in the bleacher sections, like nosebleed, you know, how many people are, well, yeah, I'm bringing my dad because he's always loved it or he's shared with me or, you know, my a, a daughter's there with her mom. And it, I think that's a really cool story that, you know, you kind of found this without apparent parental influence, just the music spoke to you and it kind of, it touched something in you. Yeah. And, and it's so funny you say that it kind of spans generations and that, um, you know, I have become friends with guys and, you know, there are a lot of gruff blue collar guys that I work with and, um, you know, I grew up in the suburbs and I'm not a blue collar kid. And, yeah. uh, but there are so many of these like, you know, older guys that I work with who we are, we are now friends and, because of this one thing that we love. So when tickets are going on, when, when shows are announced and tickets are going on tour, there's this one guy who works in the sports department. Um, we call him Boop, but his name is Bob. Um, he, we immediately like run up to each other and like try to find each other. Cause we're like, okay, what shows are you going to? And like, yes. what are you going to do? And like, I'm sitting there and we're, we're kind of plotting out what we're going to do based around, you know, he, there's, here's this guy that he's a sports guy. I know nothing about sports and he's, I'm in features where I do like the, I kind of do the soft fun stuff and he, yeah. we would have no reason to talk to each other in any other capacity. We work at different parts of the newsroom in no other way would we be friends, but we both know that, um, that we love this one thing together. So when it comes when it, you know, this, this thing connects us. So he's my buddy and like he, he's helped me out professionally by answering lots of sports questions for me. Sure. He knows that like, right, this is my thing. And I know that this is his thing. And, um, yeah, we always, I, me and me and my work wife, we always joke that, uh, it, it, our love of Bruce has helped us with the older men in the office. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny when, uh, the last, after our 2000, um, I guess before we'd gone our 2012 little bourbon and Bruce tour, I had told Linda, I said, I really want to see him more than once on a tour. Um, you know, I had, I'd seen The Rising was the first show I saw. Then I saw Devils and Dust. He didn't come here for the Seeger sessions. Then, you know, I saw him Magic. I saw Working on a Dream. And I said, just the next time I want to see more than one show. And she said, well, that's a lot of money. And I said, yes, but I won't go to Dragon Con, which is a big pop culture science fiction convention that happens in Atlanta uh, every Labor Day. And she goes, okay, that's a fair change. And what I pictured was like Houston, Dallas, Austin, maybe Oklahoma City, you know, and, but it didn't happen. And then in 2014, I saw him at the free show here in Dallas that they did for the tournament. 
I drove to Nashville to see him, and then I saw him in Houston. And I'm in Nashville, and I've connected with people through Twitter. And they're all Bruce fans, and we're all going to meet. And my wife, we're talking, and she says, you're meeting people that you've never met? I said, ah, they're Bruce fans. It's going to be fine. And she says, but I said, what if there's – what if they're – I mean, these guys could be really scary. I said, well, I actually think they're all, they're all women. She goes, are you not worried? I said, should they be a little more worried about this strange guy meeting him? You know, and, and we just, we all met and we immediately, you know, we have this in common and, uh, and it's just, it's this, I, I don't know, maybe would Jesse tell you it's the same fandom and fish? Well, yeah, that's the funny thing. And when you say that, it's so like the uh, I always have something to talk about with a Bruce fan. Like no matter what, we always have something to talk oh, yeah. about. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's I don't know if it's this, but like I don't know how um, similar it is. But I know he has a set of fish fans and yeah. they, or fish fan friends, and they meet up in the parking lot, and you know they have a different lot culture than we do, but still lot culture, and um, they meet up in the parking lot and. You know, they're all, um, you know, when they first started seeing fish, it was a little rowdier than they currently yeah. are. Now they're all like, you know, dads and things like sure. that. Um, but he has, right, he has these people where I'm like, oh, how do you know that guy? You know, we saw some guy in the street and they hugged and they said hello and they parted ways. So I was like, how do you know him? He goes, oh, he's a fish friend. He's a fish friend. Like we yeah. see each other at fish. And I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, I was like, you never see him outside of that? And he's like, no, why would I do that? Yeah, no. He's like, but every time they play, we find each other in the parking lot and we have this like lovely conversation. We catch up and it's so nice. So it's, it is like something where you, you find that you, you always have something to talk about. Absolutely. Um, Molly, when did you see him live for the first time and how many times have you seen him live? Okay. So are we, um, so, oh gosh, so 2000, I graduated from college in 2008. So I want to say 2006 okay. or 2007. And I cannot, it must've been, the, it must've been 2007. So that was okay. a ma- because that was a magic tour. Right. And, um, that was, so that was the first time. And now I have seen him, if we're including the time he played for free on the Benjamin Franklin Parkway for, uh, it was kind of a get out the vote for Barack Obama in 2008. Yes. Um, then I have seen him 30 times. Awesome. And yes, I would count that. Yes, yeah. I, I do yeah. too. Some people don't because he didn't play a full set, but. <laughs> you know, it's a show. Yeah, That's... hey, and it was. I, I braved some crowds for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, very cool. Um, so I wanted to go back. What did you think? Because you mentioned earlier that one of the things you love about a show, and I think most of us do, is the spontaneity. And the the potential that he could play anything. Yes. Did it bother you seeing the rivers uh, a couple of times and knowing that um, at least two thirds of the set was going to be the same? And then actually, he got to a pretty good routine of the post river set. Yeah. So um, I I'd seen I think like for a while he was doing like the Born to Run, Born in the USA um, yeah. full albums. And I think I saw, yeah, I think I saw Born in the USA, Born to Run in Darkness. And so, um, like, I'd gotten used to it. The thing about the river that, and your your listeners may not be so excited about me saying this, but it's not an album. You know, when you think about the river, there's not that many songs that, I mean, it's a, granted, it's a double album, so it's all relative. But 
there's some songs he never plays live. There's right. a lot of songs on these tours that I, I never heard live before. And I think that there's a reason he doesn't play them live. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like the end of the, you know, the end of that set is the end of that river set is kind of like a momentum killer a little bit. There's, there's some, there's some, they work on the album, but they're live. They kind of feel like dead spots a little okay, bit. Sure. So um, we had a, a we, we got in the habit of during, because I've now seen this tour a bunch of times, and the, the last two times we got in the habit of, of kind of taking a walk during during certain parts of it. We knew we were like, all right, well, we know what's coming up. And yeah. then as soon as we we heard our kind of cue to get back to our seats, we'd run back to our seats. But the great thing about the river, the end of the that post-river set was it was like the best, greatest hits ever. And yes. they were so, I mean, like that, as much as I'd sometimes be like, okay, another, all right, we're getting to this part of the set yeah. again. I like that, that, that post river set are some of the best runs I've ever seen. Right. And they were so good. The thing that, um, the thing I did miss though, was that he didn't do a lot. I, you know, I, in, I'm thinking in state college, he did a couple signs, but in right. other shows I had seen, he didn't do any signs. And I was, um, I was a little bummed because I also love that part because those are the parts where he like, he's like, Oh, I think we can play this. And then he kind of messes up a little bit right. and have to help him out and all these mm -hmm. things. So like, I love that. I love that. Um, you know, I was trying to explain that to Jesse cause I don't think he, I don't remember if he did the signs in state college, but we were like, Oh no, you bring it. Cause you know, he's like, why are all these people have signs? And I was like, you bring a sign because he may play your song. Right. Um, so I, and that's, that's one of my favorite parts that he could, he is granted. I know they have a teleprompter and, and things like that, but I, you know, I, I love knowing that they have this huge catalog of things to draw from and you can hear everything from, you know, you're going to, you know, you're going to hear Thunder Road, but you know, you could also hear Thunder Crack. And so like, yeah. you could totally get these, you could totally get these gems. You're like, Oh my God, I can't believe he's playing this. You know, every, for a while now I've kind of seen my entire, we call it the Bruce bucket list, but yes. now I've seen most of my bucket list songs, but it was so exciting to like hit one of those bucket list songs and be like, Oh my God, he's playing this one. I haven't heard Ramrod yet. Or, you know, I haven't heard yeah. Cadillac Ranch yet. And it was just like, that was, I love that feeling of, of being like, I haven't heard this one yet. This is so great. You know, what's funny, Molly, is the first seven times I saw him, he had not done Thunder Road. Oh, my gosh. Seven? I feel yes. like I've seen it every single show. I've been and at. so, you know, because I started in The Rising. Oh, and yeah. Then, and, and so, you know, he wasn't doing it necessarily. Um, he didn't do it live on the, you know, Devils and Dust. And he didn't do it on, you know, Magic or Working on a Dream and – and so I, I had just, he, and then he wasn't doing on Wrecking Ball, and so I'm like, you know, how weird I've never seen. And then at the, and for the next seven shows, because I'm up to fourteen, he's played at every show. Right, it's <laughs> so, so funny. It's so funny what you said. And and it was, uh, I'm a fan of. I love the cover, Dream Baby Dream, and. My listeners know the reason why it's a big it's become a family anthem for us. And so, you know, for a while there, he was on the High Hopes tour. He would either end with Thunder Road or he end with, you know, Dream Baby Dream with the pump organ. And, and he did Thunder Road every time. And I said, I'm not going to complain because, you know, for someone who I've never seen it. Now I'm going to complain because he's playing that. Um, so the best. <laughs> yeah, it's the best. It is the very best. Um so besides Thunder Road, 
Are there other albums or songs that mean a great deal to you? So, um, so Thunder Road means a great deal to me because I had uh, a few years ago, I went through like a really tough year. It's like one of those like really awful, you know, everything seems to be going bad personally, yeah. professionally, like everything sucked. And um, I would deal with kind of that like crushing sadness by uh, singing you know, by, you know, I knew I needed to ground myself when I would get very worked up or sad or something like that. And, um, I knew it would pass. And so I had to ground myself and the way I grounded myself was by singing the thunder, the lyrics to Thunder Road. So while Thunder Road has never been my absolute favorite song, um, the, you know, it has this like perfect ground because I knew all the lyrics and, um, I know all the lyrics and it has this very nice grounding quality to it. So I would kind of feel myself getting upset. I could, um, when something else seemed to be going wrong this year, I could kind of put my feet on the ground and, and start, um, start singing Thunder Road. Um, I didn't, and then, yeah, so that's, that's kind of why that song has always had so much significance to me and also why I openly weep every single time it's on, um, to the point where once at a, once at a concert, a complete stranger, like put her hand on my back and was like, it's going to be okay, honey. And she was like, I know. And I was like, it's just so good. Um, but, you know, uh, Land and Hope and Dreams is that way for me. Um, we had had a tough time, and um, my son was struggling and, and had had a few setbacks, and um, and he was really depressed. And, you know, my life's over, and, and you know, and I, I played, um, you know, Land of Hope and Dreams, and I, I kept focusing, you know, faith will be rewarded, and you know, this train. And, and so, um, and, you know, I, I quoted it at one of my best friend's funerals and I put, I quoted it at my father's funeral and I, I kind of make the joke. I hope years from now that Chris will host, will say it at my funeral. So when I hear him do that live, I always tear up. Right. It just, right. It has so much significance to yes, other parts of absolutely. your life. So, yeah. So there's, I mean, you got, I mean, pretty much anything on, um, on darkness is, uh, okay. like literally the end. I, I can listen to that album backwards and forwards a million times okay. and be so right. I, th- I tend to think of him in albums, but I guess the, um, and this is probably an answer that a lot of people give. It's not a, it's not a deep cut or anything, but man, every time I hear Rosalita, I like my heart starts to beat a little bit faster and I just get so excited. There's nothing better than Rosalita. That's the, one of the, just the perfect, perfect song. Absolutely. Now, Molly, are you a, if you have to choose, and I know they're both great, do you want the, the E Street Band Orchestra or the E Street Band on steroids like we got at Wrecking Ball, or prefer like the core band the way that we're getting it now? So I think I would have said the E Street Band on steroids before, but now that we're getting this core band, I really love this core band. I mean, granted, I never got to see, and, and you didn't either, but that, those, like, 70s run, but... Um, yeah. Or, like, you know, in the even right before they, like, blew up in the 80s, just kind of those core guys. Um, but now that I'm getting... And granted, I would love it if if Clarence was there, because sure, it's absolutely. never been the same without Clarence. Absolutely. But... Um, the, there's something about right. There's something about these these group of guys who who've known each other for so long. Just one of the things that I loved about this last River tour was that the chemistry between Stevie and Bruce was insane. It was like off the charts, and I loved watching these two guys who had been playing together for 
so long and it just like you you saw how much respect and how much they loved each other and granted they played they did the same jokes every single show they did the same gags every single show and I it still felt it still felt like they were having a good time doing it so I'm really enjoying this like this core E Street this core E Street right now I I feel like Molly that they all everyone on the stage is aware that there is less mileage in front of them than there is behind Mm-hmm. And that they know the amount of time they have left to play together is coming to an end. And I, I don't think because anyone's sick or there's any official plans to retire. It's just the reality of what – at their age and what they're doing. And I think every moment on stage they have just loved. Yeah, it seems tour. like it. Yeah, yeah, I think that like there's just so much joy on stage and they, they, they're so tight and it sounds so, so good. Yeah. Um, I totally agree. Um, any chance you're going to cover the book and their feature when they release? Oh, hopefully. I mean, there's a lot of Bruce fans where I work. So <laughs> <laughs> I may have to fight them for it. The music critic, Dan DeLuca, is a massive Bruce fan, too. Yeah. So he, he may steal it from me, but I'll see what I can do. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, so, Molly, is there any other, like, special memories or stories you want to share? Um, so yeah, I have a couple. So I, I forgot to kind of mention that, um, I wrote my, my college thesis on Bruce Springsteen. It was about kind of his persona. Um, so I was in a, and, and my, uh, my thesis advisor came up to me at the time and she was like, she, she was like, look, I knew that she was like, I was a little worried about you doing something you were so passionate about as your thesis. It was like 30 page paper on Bruce is a, Bruce is kind of a figure in, in, um, you know, kind of the persona that he's built and how that persona has changed as, as he's evolved and as he's gotten older. Um, and she was like, you know, I was really worried about you doing something after my defense, she was, she was very worried about me, uh, sure. doing something so that I was so passionate about, but she was like, I have never seen someone give a thesis defense where they bounced up and down the entire time. And she was like, it was great. You could tell Cause she was like, when I got to the passage about discussing fandom and fandom reaction, she was like, we weren't just listening to you. We were watching you do this. Um, so, so I was, that always kind of meant something to me. I always really loved that professor. And, um, but also I, I have to, and I'm, I, I should have mentioned him earlier that one of the reasons that, I love Bruce as much as I do is not just this music critic, but my best friend in high school is now a fabulous opera singer in Houston. So if you ever get down to the Houston opera, she's okay. down there. Um, she, her dad is this guy named Ed Shockey, who is a very important DJ in Philadelphia, kind of when DJs had were kind of Kings of the market. Right. And um, he, you know, being from, being from Philly, he heard this, you know, this is, this is early seventies. We're talking like 72. Um, he happened to hear this guy who worked at, you know, who was playing in Asbury park, who everybody said was so good. And he kept saying, Oh, you know, you got to come down to Philly. I want to start playing your stuff. And he was working at this radio station called WMMR, which is still a rock radio station in Philly. Um, but he was the big guy, like Ed Shockey was the guy. And he started, you know, he's like, he sees this kid and he's like, Oh, you know, I, you're amazing. Like you need to, I need to start playing your records in Philly. So, one of the reasons that Bruce broke in the Philadelphia market, and once you kind of break in the Philadelphia market, you would go to you could you could break in other um, other kind of East Coast markets and then go from there was because of um, because of my my best friend from high school's dad Ed, who was this like great old school 
rock and roll guy. And um, I remember walking into their house once when I first met her and saying like, oh, that's so funny. That looks like a Bruce Springsteen gold record. It's like, oh, it must be a replica. And he's like, no, that's a real thing. And one of my great memories after I became a Bruce, like when I started really getting into Bruce was, um, you know, sleeping over her house and she would go to sleep. And then me and her dad late at night, he would just tell me stories about hanging out with Bruce, uh, you know, hanging out with Bruce and, and all of these, you know, all of these memories and like playing him and, um, and going to all these shows. And when he passed away, um, I think he passed away in, I think 2003, um, his, at his funeral, um, Max Weinberg gave the eulogy and it was, this, and Bruce had said he didn't want to come because he didn't want to take attention away from Ed. And, um, so Max gave this like lovely eulogy about, um, how that, about like how, you know, how without Ed, Bruce wouldn't have, kind of they wouldn't have been a thing they wouldn't have broken and how even after wow. he joined the band I, he, you know he'd been with the band for years at this point and ed, ed, ed would still call him the new guy and i always appreciate that because if you knew ed that was totally perfect that he would still refer to max as the new guy like 10 years after he had joined the band that's awesome um, yeah so it's and he's just like it was it was i was so you know i you only get so close to your heroes and um it was nice to be able to get so close through ed who was who's a, a really great guy and a really good dad to Monica. So I always appreciated getting to know him. Wow. That's, that's, thank you. That was wonderful. Um, you had mentioned just earlier that you, you don't have many songs left on your bucket list. Uh, do you have any on your wish list that you still haven't got to hear? Okay, so this is a cover, so I doubt I will ever get to hear it, but I would love it. I One of my favorite bootlegs has Mountain of Love on it. Yeah. I always wanted to hear him do Mountain of Love. And um, the sign I have brought is Mountain of Love, and I don't think he will ever do it because this doesn't play it very often. But it's been a very long time, but if he played Mountain of Love, I'd be pretty psyched. So Jolie Blanc is one of mine. And he just did it. And I was like, oh, I can't believe. Bruce, why didn't you wait? Um, how, do you have uh, – and if you don't want to talk about this, I'll cut it out. But uh, any thoughts about kind of the uh, the flip-flopping of fans? You know, I, I've been very frustrated that when he announced he's going to do the river, that a part of the fandom said, oh, he's an oldies act. You know, I can't believe he's going to do this. And then when he went to Europe and he's not doing the river, a different section of fans were like, oh, I can't believe I bought tickets. Hoping I was going to see the river in full. And now that I'm getting just a normal show, oh, he's given up. Um, I think he probably um, I think he probably figured out that the river was not the way to was not the kind of the perfect full album. I mean, like. Born to Run is an amazing album to listen right. to from beginning to end live. Darkness is incredible from, from beginning to end. But, right, I think he kind of figured out that, like, the crowd wasn't in it the entire time. You could feel that the crowd wasn't in it the entire time. I have no problem with the he's just an oldies act. I don't want to hear the new stuff. I'm not going to lie. Like, there's a couple songs that I want to hear every single time. But um, I want to hear I want to hear my favorite songs. I don't necessarily want to hear Outlaw Pete. You know, I want to hear... I want to hear my, my songs. Um, so I don't have a problem with the, uh, I don't have a problem with the, like he's touring behind old stuff. Like I'm totally cool with that. Go ahead. Tour behind old stuff. I'd love it if he did Asbury park, you know, I'd love it if he did, you know, I'd love it if he do all of them, but um, you know, I don't want to hear him play magic from beginning to end, but I'll listen to him do darkness from beginning to end. And, you know, 
I'll, I'll buy that ticket any day of the week. So now I actually, you know, I saw the tour four times and I really loved. Now there's a couple of songs on the, um, the show on the album that I don't strictly care about, but I think they're different than songs that other people say they may not care about. <laughs> so I always think it's, it's always, you know, potato, potato, right? That, you know, what I go, oh, I wouldn't want to hear, you know, Spirit in the Night again. But somebody else go, oh, what? No, Spirit in the Night's my favorite song. Yeah, uh, I love and, Spirit in the Night. <laughs> yeah, and so um, it was interesting. I talked to one fan, and I said I would be perfectly happy with a show that started at Tunnel of Love and went forward. And he played nothing before Tunnel of Love. And the guy said, and I would be perfectly happy with darkness backwards and nothing past darkness. And I said, I'd be at either show. I'd be happy. But um, so I think that's interesting. And, you know, regardless, I think it's fascinating. This guy is touring and arguably his most commercial album was uh, Born in the USA and, you know, he picks some songs for that, but he just, like, most traditional acts would have played that whole album, you know, within its set, most of it, because they're his biggest, quote-unquote, commercial hits. And he, you know, he plays some of them, but he mixes in, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, he doesn't, right, he could totally, and the, right, those are the crowd pleasers of the, of if you don't know Bruce, you always know something from Born right. in the USA. Like if you're, if you have to explain a Bruce song, you're going to play Born in the USA to some, you know, Absolutely. explain that. Um, so I think I, you know, right. I think he understands that he's got an arena full of diehard people who yeah. love him so dearly that you don't need to play just the hits, right. You can play, yeah. you can play like the weird deep cut and you'll have thousands of people singing everything. Like, right. It's undercrack. I mentioned that earlier. An, yeah. It's a song that's not even on an album, and like right. he plays that song not regularly, but every once in a while, and yes. um, you know you still have thousands of people who know every single word to it. So I think he understands that he's got to play to those people, not the people. Um, okay, so that's um, that's awesome. I'm uh, so. Have you determined? Are you going to play? Are you doing traditional on the wedding march? Or are you going to? find a compromised song that you can play to walk down the aisle i have been uh i we are currently our biggest fright right now is currently about what our we're not even getting married till next year we have a long time sure but uh we're our current our current biggest fight right now is what our first dance song will be and i have been told that we are not allowed to dance to bruce so oh so you gotta find a compromise <laughs> yeah we have to find a compromise right now i'm pushing really hard for waterloo sunset by the kinks but who okay. knows <laughs> so um i before i was obsessed or had a passion for bruce springsteen i had um big beach boys and brian wilson fan um similar to you i discovered that right out of high school and became crazy and so um when my wife and i got married and we you know left the reception and we got in the car I had Wouldn't It Be Nice played, cued, ready to play, because Wouldn't It Be Nice if we were older, you know, and we were married. So um, I played that. So you'll find something that's special. We'll find – well, it'll it'll be a lot of arguments, but we'll figure something yes, out. absolutely. Um, I, I am going to put the link to um, your Artica um, 
because I think it was just so well done. I am going to quote that we both share a passion for something that is outside of ourselves. Because we love something else, we love each other more. I think that is – if you can summarize what I think is a successful marriage is in that sentence because you have to each have your own passions and your own lives, and that makes your life together even more beautiful. Well, that's good to I, now I, that makes me more hopeful. <laughs> yes, I think so. Um, so Molly, if someone wants to reach you, how can they? Um, so the best way to reach me is probably through Twitter. Um, and I'm Molly Eichel, and you, so I'm M O L L Y E I C H E L. That's probably the best way to get my email address is on there, and that's the best way to get in touch okay. with me. And if you want to read my other work, that's the best place to find it. What are you working on now? Oh, what am I working on now? After this, after I get off this phone call, I'm mm -hmm. going to write about an episode of Homicide Life on the Streets for ah. the EV Club. Very nice. Um, that that should be a lot of fun. Uh, good. Uh, Doctor Who fan? Uh, actually, no. Okay. I never got into Doctor Who. <laughs> I just was trying to do a cross-promotion. I do a Doctor Who podcast as well. Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> yeah, and the Americans. So oh, I, was very, I love the Americans. I was very happy today to see the Academy give them a little bit of – Finally, right? Yes. yes. Um, I'm – we're very excited about that. Well, very cool. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, hang on just a minute. Um, if you want to be on Set Lusting Bruce and share your Springsteen story, uh, please send me an email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. I am also on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW, not the Reverend. And boy, am I getting a lot of tweets that people do not look at my uh profile or see the dfw i'm just saying um and set lusting bruce is on twitter um thank you molly this has been a joy and uh, i wish you continued success and the best of luck and uh you guys are going to be great you know you're thank you so much <laughs> you're marrying a guy with a great first name so there uh, we go well, yeah i was about to say <laughs> yeah goodbye achieve the American dream. The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, 
the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.